Blue Wire. I'm still here. You're still they can't here. get rid of me. For right now. I'm like the Grizzlies in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I can get rid of you. No. You going to do a pod by yourself? No one's going to listen to that. No, no one. <laughs> no. Who, are we kid- who are we kidding right now? Come on. <clears throat> oh, Greg. Yes. I ate all the ribs. I'm not going to bring you any. <laughs> Memphis is out of ribs. Dylan <laughs> Brooks now plays with honor. The dishonorable person surrounding the Utah Jazz is Sarah Todd. There is no honor here. No, there's not. There's a belly full of ribs and a smile on my face and no honor at all. So mad at you. (laughs) This is why the podcast is called Unsalvageable. Hello, hello, and welcome to Unsalvageable, a Utah Jazz podcast from the Blue Wire Podcast Network. With me, Sarah Todd, Utah Jazz beat reporter for the Deseret News, and as always, my co-host, Greg Foster. Greg, we're going to get into the playoff recap in just a minute. First, we want to acknowledge the passing of Mark Eaton. That was hard news for Jazz fans, I think, and obviously 64 years old, gone way too soon. Yeah, it was you know, it was a pretty shocking thing. You know, doing my my normal scroll of of the timeline and and checking the news first thing in the morning, and you know the tweets come out from from Shams, and then the Jazz confirmed, and it was a gut punch. And just even you know personally, I went to Park City High School where Mark Eaton lived. Uh, I knew his family. I played football with his son. And I got to know him a little bit. I'm not going to say that like we were even friends, but definitely acquaintances. And even a few years ago when I was working up in Park City, it was every single morning if I went to Park City Coffee Roasters, Mark was there, always there with a smile, always there with a nice word, a nice, you know, how are you? Nice to see you again. And that's kind of just embodied who he was. He was just a genuinely very kind person. You know, a lot of people in the media were calling him a gentle giant while you eulogizing him yesterday. And I think that's a really, that's the perfect way to describe him. He, he had such a palpable love of life and was so kind and endearing and embraced the people around him. And I think he's going to be very sorely missed. Yeah, I think that's the thing that came through yesterday when I was talking to people that knew him, old teammates, friends, stuff like that. The kindness is really something that people spoke a lot about. They would say, you know, he was a beast on the floor, but it was there was a lot more to his story. And we'll actually get more into that on our regular weekly episode. But we just wanted to quickly say that, like everyone, we're thinking about his family and just shocking sad news. Um, This is a recap episode of game three of the series between the Jazz and the Memphis Grizzlies. The Jazz won 121-111. They take a 2-1 series lead, uh, regain home court by winning on the road in Memphis, which is great for the Jazz. Do you want to you want to get us started? What are some things that you noticed right out of the gate? The first thing that was great, um, just going through the first quarter, is this is the first game of the series. The Jazz really got off to a great start. You know, Rudy Gobert was super active, rolling to the hoop, and he was rebounding and he was protecting the paint. Mike and Donovan were penetrating and running the offense, hitting threes were 
huge. The Jazz came out the gate and hit, I think they had seven threes in the first quarter. Mike had a couple. Roy, Royce O'Neal got going early, which really opened things up. When Royce O'Neal is hitting your, your fifth option and the defense has to gravitate towards him and not give him easy open looks, that opens everything else. So that was really nice to see after the, the sluggish starts in game one and game two. Yeah, I mean... Royce hitting early. You're right. They had seven threes in the first quarter and Royce hitting early. I mean, if the defense is going to sag off him, that just gives them more power against the other players. And if he's not going to be aggressive offensively, then that power stays. Mm -hmm. And when he's hitting that forces the gravity towards him. It's just, it's so valuable. It can't be understated how nice it is to have four shooters on the floor at any time. Yeah, and then you also have the league's best dunker rolling to the hoop at all times. So if you go and try to double or if Mike or or Boyan or Donovan beats their man on a pump fake or something like that, gets into the paint and, and the Grizzlies collapse, we saw that a couple of times and Rudy got some super easy dunks. And you know that's kind of been the, the recipe all series long is that high pick and roll with Conley or Donovan and Rudy Gobert, which just opens everything up because then you got you got Boyan or or Niang or Ingles or Royce, all of which are very good three-point shooters spotting up. It was pick your poison for a lot of the game with Memphis. And again, like game two, the Jazz hit their shots. As the game progressed, I know that you had some problems with what the Jazz were doing, I guess, later on in the game. There were a few things that... I found a little annoying that the Jazz were doing. Boyan had a really nice offensive game. He didn't score that much, but when the Jazz needed something, he would get a couple bunnies and then hit a three. And that happened once in the first half, once in the second half. Defensively, he was terrible. Oof, he, I mean, the biggest moment that I can think about was when Kyle Anderson ran back door to get an offensive rebound to cut the lead to 93, 96, three points. Mm -hmm. And Boyan just, you know, he was supposed to be boxing him out and he just had no idea where he was. He had absolutely no idea. And that happened a few times during the game, but especially in those critical moments. And it just, it's, I can't imagine how frustrating that has to be for a coach to watch mm -hmm. a guy just completely lose someone on a box out like that. Yeah, I think Boyan has a bad habit that I've seen this season of he ball watches. Yeah, he does. And that gets him out of position, you know, and Boyan is not a great rebounder. He can be. He he knows how to rebound the ball. I think a lot of it is effort. And I think as the game trailed, again, the the effort lacked especially going into that fourth quarter when the the Grizzlies made that big run and actually took the lead. And again, like the <laughs> reoccurring theme of this series is stop playing with your food. Like when you've got the lead and you're, you're cruising, you can't let off the gas. But one thing, since I am the internal optimist yes, on this podcast that I was very impressed at is the jazz answered and countered every single run the Grizzlies made. This was a really back and forth game outside of the first quarter. The Jazz, it really was just that heavyweight slug fest of just trading blows and the Grizzlies would go on a, a, a 6-0 or 8-0 run and then the Jazz would answer with a 10-2 run or something like that. And I was really impressed at their composure, uh, especially after losing the lead. And then they went on, I think it was a 14-0 or 14-2 run to close the game. Again, I'm not always 
very happy when they have to flip that switch, but it is nice that they're able to do that. It's not like they're going to, they're not going to score a hundred points and the opposition is going to score zero. They're not going to not turn over the ball zero times. They're not going to hold the Grizzlies to zero offensive rebounds. And so I don't have a problem with a seven or eight Oh run by the Grizzlies it's playoff basketball. That's going to happen. The other team is going to try to get some momentum. I sort of wish that Quinn would call timeouts one or two possessions earlier. Mm -hmm. It seems like he sees that a run is happening and then he waits until he gets mad to call a timeout almost instead of using it as a momentum shifter. That would be a little bit helpful. Again, that's not like a huge thing. It's just something that I was thinking a little bit last night. Yeah, And then, but the other thing is while those like seven or eight Oh runs by the Grizzlies don't really upset me as far as the jazz are concerned, what does is what happened in the early minutes of the fourth quarter. That wasn't just, you know, the Grizzlies able to go on a run. That was just a complete collapse of everything the jazz were doing to your point. They countered and they closed that game just beautifully. Donovan and Mike closed out that game. Great. But that, don't put yourself in that situation. Why Why do that? It's so incredibly easy to avoid, and it's effort and yeah. focus. And this is not a team that you can just fall asleep against. They're too tough. One thing I give the Grizzlies a lot of credit for and why I think they're going to be very good in the future is Taylor Jenkins has established a culture of playing for 48 minutes. And they're going to figure it out. And I feel like this is a team that's kind of taking their lumps right now. That's learning how to close. I've watched a lot of Grizzlies basketball this year. I follow a lot of Grizzlies media guys and they have a problem closing games. That is a recurring problem for them this season. They will learn to figure it out. Glad the Jazz took advantage of it, but can't continue to let this team hang around. Basically, the Jazz took the entire third quarter off in game two. Mm -hmm. And while that was annoying, It didn't feel as dangerous because it wasn't, you know, with five minutes left in the game that they had to turn it on. And so that that early fourth quarter, letting them come back in it and they're feeling that confidence that was concerning. Again, Donovan and Mike held it down. They did did exactly what they were supposed to do as leaders of this team. Mm -hmm. I wish they didn't have to. I mean, and the biggest problem, honestly, the part that just makes me so mad is complete effort thing is the offensive rebounds. It was awful. Grizzlies got 16 offensive boards in that game. That's that's high. They're a very good offensive rebounding team, one of the best in the league. But 16, way too much. Like you said, offensive rebounds are inevitable, especially with a team like that, especially when you have someone like Jonas Valanciunas, who is a fabulous rebounder. But it really seemed to me that the Jazz just kept relying too much on Rudy Gobert and be like, oh yeah, Rudy's got this. He'll get he'll get the rebounds. That's what he does. When John Moran or Dylan Brooks or or whomever gets into the paint and Rudy has to get out of rebounding position to contest the shot, nobody was coming in and boxing out and the rotations were <laughs> you know, we saw that especially. I feel like like that was really culminated with that easy Kyle Anderson putback that cut the game to three. And those are just, those are just mental mistakes you you can't make. You know, you might be able to dig yourself out of a hole against the Memphis Grizzlies, but like, if this is a problem that persists throughout the playoffs, like if you're playing the Lakers or you're playing the Mavericks or, or whomever or the Clippers, like, and you're doing that kind of stuff, you're going to get your kicked. The worst part about 
the offensive rebounding to me is I wish I would have, you know, put this in a story last night, but I didn't even notice it until I got home and looked at the breakdown of the box score, 16 offensive rebounds for the Grizzlies, eight of them, half of them in the fourth quarter. Utterly unacceptable. That's yeah. an, they had eight offensive rebounds to the Jazz's one in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Cannot, cannot, cannot happen, especially with a team that just thrives off of that energy and that momentum, which the Grizzlies do. And like, you just, you continue to shoot yourself in the foot, slam the door. This was still out of this series, the most complete game the Jazz have played, but we're still searching for that 48 minutes of hard grinded out, fully focused basketball. I feel like we got about 42 minutes this this game but those six minutes were a killer and almost buried the jazz yeah that's exactly what i said last night was game one was abysmal game two the jazz played for 36 minutes and in game three they played for 42 so we're still looking for 48 but the jazz won a playoff game last night and so i don't want it to sound like we're you know piling on them they got the w obviously they'll watch some tape and try to correct some of those problems. Mainly, I think, I think a big emphasis is going to be on those offensive boards because they did a Mm -hmm. way better job of that in game two. They kept them to like nine offensive boards throughout the game. That's a great number. That's fine. Some things that I really liked Mike Conley really throughout the game. And then again, in the fourth quarter with Donovan is so vintage Mike Conley. So good. And He's he's captain clutch again. He hasn't always played excellent in the playoffs I don't know if it's age sage wisdom (laughs) or whatever way we want to say it he just looks so different this season and in this particular series I hate using the word poised because it's such a sports cliche but he really does look just poised for the moment unflappable yeah absolutely he I can't say enough of good things about what he looks like on the court through three games if for handing out awards right now. Mike Conley has been the Jazz's MVP. Absolutely. He's been, he's been fantastic. On the other side of things, I'm going to try to continue to stay optimistic. But one thing that we do need to talk about is there's got to be somebody else who, who can step up when Mike's on the bench and run the offense. One thing we cannot happen again. Joe Ingles has been so good this season. He has been a godsend. He was non-existent in game three. Where was he? The, the man scored three points more than I did. And I was on my couch. I'm fine with, you know what? If Joe is doing the things that we've become accustomed to him doing all game, I'm fine with three points. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the only thing. But like he, he wasn't creating at all. There wasn't a lot of movement. The three points came with zero of everything else. You cannot, when you are the cornerstone of the second unit, I know Jordan Clarkson won the sixth man of the year, but we've also talked about this. Joe Ingles is more important to the second unit with how he runs the offense. He is the point guard. He is the captain. You cannot be non-existent on both sides of the floor. There were a bunch of times that Dylan Brooks and John Morant went straight at him and he looked like a matador on defense. Three points, zero rebounds, one assist two turnovers yeah four Just, shots what he's only took four shots the entire playoff game can't do that you you're you're too important a player on this team to no show and honestly the same thing goes 
for Niang. He was another no-show. And the bench just, it has to be better. And you need somebody to be able to run the offense and not have everything collapse. We saw, I think that was a big part of why we saw that collapse in the fourth quarter. Nobody was running the offense. As soon as Mike got back in, high pick and roll again, rotations were great, moving the ball. Donovan got his ISO shots and was, was drawing fouls and, you know, the, the ship was corrected, but you can't have those lapses again. And the bench just overall needs to be better. Jordan Clarkson hasn't been good in this series either. Jordan Clarkson, actually the second half, he was a lot better than he was in the first yes. half. He uh, was he... 0 for five in the first half from three and one for six. Yeah. He was not good. Yeah. And he started hitting shots. I also hear good cop, bad cop is what we're doing, I guess. Uh, yeah. The thing that I like about Jordan lately is he's he's getting like very weirdly good at drawing fouls on the three point line. Yes. And he's a 90 percent free throw shooter. So mm-hmm. that's easy money right there. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't really know when that happened. I feel like it started to happen a little bit more, maybe really late in the season. But it's not something I remember thinking, oh, Jordan Clarkson's very good at drawing that foul until maybe like the last handful of games. Mm hmm. I think it's got to be something they've seen on tape too, because Donovan has done it a couple of times. Yeah. Um, I think Boyan has had a, had three free throws before in the game. Mike Conley's got a couple of those, yeah. and, you know, and there was, especially at the end of the game when Donovan drew that foul on Dylan Brooks, especially Dylan is so aggressive coming off those screens. And I think that's kind of been hammered into that Grizzlies defense. He reaches and they grab and, those guys have kind of figured out that, hey, if you come off a Rudy or Favors screen and they're coming at you full speed, all you have to do is set your feet and shoot. That's a foul. Yeah. And it's it's a huge problem for the Grizzlies right now is because they just continue. There's, there's been at least a half a dozen of those, those three-point fouls. And yeah, continue to grift. I'm all about it. Hey, speaking of Dylan Brooks, what's your opinion? I think that Dylan Brooks is a a good player who plays very hard and completely without honor. Without honor. He is not an honorable basketball player. Why do you say that? It's the flopping. It's the hitting. It's the jawing. It's, it's, and not only that, but it's like the fouling. He is a good player who plays incredibly hard, but his over aggressiveness and his, his head case-ness puts his team in bad positions all the time. And he is so easily baited into stupid fouls. And honestly, like you're no good to your team when your ass is sitting on the bench. And he does that a lot. He leads the league in fouls committed. Yeah. I do not care about the jawing, the pushing, no. um, uh, the, I mean, people are calling it a headbutt. That's not a headbutt. Uh, if if I was gonna headbutt someone, they'd know it. Uh, if yeah. I was gonna like rub my sweaty curly hair into their like <laughs> neck and chest, I don't think that that's a headbutt. So that's fine. But I think what people are missing from you know one of the main matchups has been Dylan Brooks uh, on Mike Conley. That's where people have seen. That's who he. Uh, sweaty curly hair headbutted the video last night was like there was one angle where it looked like Dylan Brooks maybe was like punching Mike Conley in the side 
right. then about 20 minutes later, the opposite angle came out and they, he, they absolutely, he was not punching him at all. They were just kind of like rubbing their elbows together. No, just, yeah, but like Mike Conley was returning fire too. A hundred percent. And like <laughs> last night I watched Mike Conley. They were like in each other's ears, like just yeah. talking. And then I watched Mike Conley. He went at him and full on shoved him into Gobert and then turned the corner and hit a three. And I was like, okay, well, that's people are missing that because like Mike Conley is a lot more sneaky with his antics. Oh, yes. Uh, Dylan Brooks is just overt. And so if, you, if you're going to be mad, I, I don't think that dishonorable is probably the right word because he, he plays with no honor. <laughs> but I, you have a good point in that Dylan Brooks fouled problems are a problem for the Grizzlies. And you're absolutely right that like he has a responsibility to stay on the floor. And when he's not on the floor, he he's a great defender. He really is. He really is. And when he's not on the floor, that's a detriment to the team. So that I can agree with the other stuff. I love it. Give me more of it. Let them, let, let them break out and actually start punching each other. I'd watch that. Yeah. Well, I mean, based on that video, we know that he can't throw a left. So I'm not all that worried <laughs> about Dylan Brooks. <laughs> yeah it's got a weak jab game let's talk some takeaways and some some positives because right. again optimism this is what we do i i have some notes we talked about it already a little bit when, but when the jazz are hitting threes like they did throughout the game especially in the first quarter they were they were seven of 15 47 they're unstoppable offensively yeah. You've got Rudy rolling to the rim. You've got the high pick and roll going. You've got Boyan. You've got Royce. You've got Mike. You've got a bunch of shooters all over the place. When it's hitting, you're picking your poison. Like, are you going to give up easy dunks to Gobert or are you going to give up shots to the rest of the guys? I, I think it was pretty apparent last night that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are the best players in the series. Yeah. Gobert was fabulous defensively, really culminated with that final block on Triple J in the uh the waning minutes of the fourth quarter donovan there was a there was a five possession stretch that really just sealed the game for me donovan got a uh an and one against valanchunas very next play comes off the screen he gets the three after that mike conley finds rudy gobert who hits a fabulous off balance kind of over his opposite shoulder hook shot not something I've seen in Gobert's bag before. Yeah. Sometimes I think Gobert in the post still kind of looks like a giraffe with some roller skates on. I think that Gobert was a little surprised that ball went in. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, you got back-to-back free throw possessions from Donovan Mitchell. And that really sealed the game. And I thought they were great. And then another positive, Mike Conley was masterful. He 27 points, six boards, eight assists made seven of 10 threes. Like that man lost the three point contest to Stephen Curry. And then all of a sudden just like absorbed his powers. Yeah. Well, and he barely lost it to Stephen Curry. And you know, like you said, seven of 10 from three, eight of 16 overall, four of four from the free throw line. It just, just a perfectly efficient game. And there was never a time like, you know, early on when Mike Conley first came to the Jazz, there was there was some anxiety watching him try to run the offense. Lots of turnovers, not really knowing the system. That is all gone. Yeah, that guy it has it is textbook at this point. Uh, and another positive is at least when Mike Conley's on the floor, 
still figuring out with the bench, but with Mike Conley on the floor, it seems like the Jazz have kind of figured out where Memphis is defensively. That's a really good point because I think, that, you know, that's not what you really want. You don't want to have two feel-out games. Mm-hmm. But with a player like John Moran, I don't think that John Moran is underrated, but I do think that people don't, maybe don't respect him as as the prolific scorer that he really, John Morant is going to be an all-time great basketball player. Yes. And he's going to be a hall of famer. Yeah. No, no questions about it. He's awesome. When you have a player like that and you can get to the point where you figure him out, you can hold him to 28 points. That's saying if you can keep him under 30 and he has to work that hard for it, that is a win. That's mm-hmm. a win for the Jazz. And so I'm I'm very pleased with how they've progressed defensively over the first three games of this series. Yeah, agreed. I think, you know, going from, from 47 points to 28 points is a huge win. I thought they did a better job contesting him in the paint. John's going to get his buckets. He's too, he's too good. He's too fast off the ball. Um, I have in my notes as well is that he kind of, presents the same kind of problems that Jamal Murray did against the jazz last year in the bubble. Yeah. He's super fast. He's got an incredible handle. He's so good at getting to his spots. He's a fabulous shot maker and he's just, he's so athletic. You see him much like Jamal Murray, when he gets to the rim, the up and unders, the ability to create those shots. He's just that guy that you're not going to stop. You've got to contain. And I thought they did a pretty good job containing him in this game. So that's a huge plus. A big thing with the Jazz, the last two games, even though that they've, they've given up those big runs, the composure and the ability to answer and turn it on after every run is huge. And that was the key to the game. You know, they lost the lead and promptly went on a 14 to two run. And that was the, uh, the nail in the coffin for the Grizzlies. You know, there were, there were plays in that fourth quarter where it's just like, okay, I'm Donovan Mitchell. This is what I do. I'm better than anybody else on the floor. Give me the ball and it's winning time. Withstanding and responding are important pieces of playoff basketball. Mm -hmm. You're not going to keep a team from going on a run at once during a guy. You're just not going to not have the team go on a run. If if you can withstand it and then respond with your own, that's recipe for winning. And that's what the jazz did. Yeah. So props on the win. Lots of good things to take away from that game. Uh, Another thing that I had, I thought, you know, we talked about Bogey's defense, but Bogey offensively was solid and he was solid in crucial moments. I think moving on, let's talk about some adjustments. Number one on the list for me. Again, we've talked about it ad nauseum. Stop playing with your food. I actually, I agree with that when we were talking about it in the previous games, but this one, I just, I'm not there with you. Yeah, that they, they collapsed a little, but it was a, it was a half of the fourth quarter that they didn't play well for. And they came back and they shut it down. I, I don't think that that necessarily equates stop playing with your food. I've agreed with you before. Can you tell me again, how many offensive rebounds the Memphis Grizzlies had in the fourth quarter? It was eight. It was bad. Okay. That's food that you're playing with. <laughs> All right. That's, Wait. that's effort. Those are hustle plays. Yeah. And that was a huge momentum swinger when the, like when there was, God, there was one play in particular where the so Grizzlies despondent. had like, 
I was, I'm, I'm mad about it because it's just so goddamn avoidable. It's it, so easy not to do that. It's won. easy to box out and get in position and not let Kyle Anderson, the slowest man in the NBA, <laughs> go in uncontested for putbacks. Kyle. I like Kyle Anderson, for the record. I think he's a very nice player, and I think he would be a wonderful addition to the Utah Jazz. You just can't do that. Again, bench all around has to be better. Niang has to be better. Clark, we need more second-half Clarkson, a lot less first-half Clarkson. Ingles simply could not be a no-show. Somebody other than Rudy Gobert has to get rebounds. And then, again, don't wait till crunch time. Don't put yourself in that position. That's the part that I didn't like. If you're going to have a lapse... Have it early. Yeah. Don't don't start the fourth quarter like a bad basketball team. Or how about just don't have a lapse? That's There's not a difference. that's not gonna happen. No, but no, let me explain. This is again, this is the mistakes versus problems things that we've talked about. Mistakes, runs are going to happen. Right. Six oh runs, eight oh runs, whatever that happens. I don't know, sixteen to two runs, or what 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 did they give up? in the third quarter in game two, like a 20 something to four run. I I don't know exactly what the numbers are. Those are the problems, right? Yeah. You can, you can allow a little run. You cannot let it snowball against a team like this. And why dig yourself in a hole when you don't need to, the jazz are the better team it's established. They're deeper. They're better shooters. They're a better defensive team. They've, you know, so now it's time to just, I, I, I want a complete game. Right. I don't want to, I don't want a perfect game. Perfect games are impossible. Right. This isn't, this isn't baseball. I want a complete game. No more lapses. I think that's, that's fair to say, because I think that even if the Grizzlies were to have gone on a, a 14 to two run, something like that at any point during the game, if you would have, if it would have come just on missed shots uh, and not on the offensive rebounds or, you know, Boyan losing his man or mm-hmm. Joe just completely not showing up to the game. I think that if it would have just come on missed shots that maybe we're not talking about it, like, Oh, they missed some shots. They came back and started hitting them. Right. But I think it, it is those, those hustle and effort plays that are really the problem. Mm-hmm. Play harder, be better, <laughs> be better. Congrats on the win. I love you. You're all beautiful sons and you're near and dear to my heart. Just need you to step up. I think that's good. I think that Put a bow on this thing. Pretty, pretty good for a playoff recap episode. I do feel like we sounded a little bit like downers today. We're honest is We're what honest. we are. And we have high expectations and high standards. Yeah. I mean, I guess that we talked nicely about Donovan and Mike and they deserved it. Rudy was great. And mm-hmm. I will say this. Yeah. When you're, when your big three all show up in big moments, you got your three all-stars and all three of them are playing. Usually good things happen. Yeah. We talked and that's good, what happens. We talked good about the good things that happened. And we talked bad about the bad things that happened. Yeah. Uh, this is how that- you podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to podcasting 101 with Sarah Todd and Craig Foster. Oh boy. Thank you so much for listening rate review subscribe download do all of the things it really helps us out follow us at unsalvageables at dad sham dad at nba sarah reach out to us if you have any questions comments no criticisms uh welcomed but you can reach out to us at 
unsalvagablepod at gmail.com. And we will see you next time. We will talk to you next time. Hope you have a good next couple of days. I love you all.